Welcome to the Physician Wealth Med Podcast. It's wealth medicine for doctors. If you're a doctor and you have no time, it looks like you found us just in time. This podcast is for all doctors who would like to work on their personal wealth, but do not have traditional hours to do so because they have no time. We're here to jump into topics that will help you address your wealth, both inside and outside of your practice, so that you can live the life of significance you're dreaming of. You'll hear from your peers, you'll hear from industry professionals, and your host and wealth advisor, me, Kevin Sullivan. This is your time. Now let's get started with today's podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Physician Wealth Meds podcast. We say it's wealth medicine for doctors. And I've got Don Conley as a guest uh, with me here today. And we're really excited for what we're going to do with the doctors here today. So if you're a doctor that's been following this podcast, if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're going to take away quite a bit of information from this podcast. So welcome, Don. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. It's good to be here. I have to put my glasses on for some of this, but I prepared like an opening here that I just didn't want to mess it up. So I thought I'd write it down, but I I put this down. Don, your career is taking you to so many places and you've spoken just about to every investment firm on the planet, providing perspective for wealth advisors regarding the markets and practice management and helping us see what other top advisors are doing. So there's never been a time when I've seen you or listened to you that you were not 100% passionate about what you're talking about. So I guess that's one of the biggest things that's really resonated with me over the years. And for me, I've hung on to all of your words, your illustrations and your thoughts, and I use them every day in my practice. And I've been doing this for 34 years now. (laughs) And you said a long time ago to keep things simple and to tell stories and to help clients understand complex subjects. And doing the simple things over and over again has never been out of style because we're still working with human nature and trying to relate these concepts to our clients to understand no matter what their sophistication levels are. So one clear thing that you've delivered time and time again, in my view, is perspective. So in my opinion, perspective is the glue that holds the behavior of the investor together. You know, so you've helped so many advisors providing perspective to their clients And that's the most challenging thing that we can do. And I believe that the doctors that listen to this podcast could use some of that as well. So I want to welcome you again to this podcast and to share your thoughts. And basically, when I thought about having you on the podcast, I just thought, I'm just going to turn Don loose on the people. And these (laughs) doctors, they'll never know what hit them. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes, sir. (laughs) So tell us who you are and what you do and maybe the why of why you do what you do. It's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to be 78 years old in a couple of months and I still yeah. feel I have my fastball. So I'm still working. And uh, there you go. I, you know, I find when people retire, they get old. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to get old. So I'm still working. But I got in the business in 1967, like 56 years ago. And really, it's not very romantic. I needed a job. I was out of college. I had a wife. I had a baby and no money like mm-hmm. most people that age. So I, I thought yeah. I'd be a good financial advisor. I don't know why. I, I just enjoy the numbers, helping people. So I was good at it. it turned out I was pretty good at it. And um, I had a car before most of my friends, bought a home as a young couple. But then, Kevin, my reason changed. Um, I had a friend pass away, a friend from college, very successful mm-hmm. guy, made a ton of money. Had never done any financial planning. His family was not left well off because they lived large. Mm-hmm. And but it really changed <laughs> why I'm in the business. Yeah. It made yeah. me understand that people... 
of all levels need help. Not just it's everyone needs financial help. And I love helping right. people. So that's why I'm no, that, that I, I remember hearing that you get in the business, but when the business gets into you, it takes on a whole different yeah. perspective. Yeah, exactly. And that's a true statement. I remember everyone needs a lecture at least once. And I say to my friends, if you're not going to hear it from me, who are you going to hear it from? That's it. I have the financial planning life insurance lecture at least once. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I got my days started in the insurance industry for five years. Then I went to work for the banking industry as an investment advisor inside banks with with Key Bank and Bank of America specifically. And I used to cover many different locations uh, for them in banking centers. And I traveled from one to the other. And back in the day, when you were at Putnam Investments, you had these market commentary cassette tapes that came out quarterly on one side. And then on the other side was Don Conley. And I can't tell you how I lived for those tapes, how I put him in the cassette player in the car and going from branch to branch, listening to everything that you had to say. And it started way back in the mid 90s for that. Yeah. Yeah. Those tapes got very, very popular. They did. They became slightly famous you know, within the industry. (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, you did. Well, that's a good understanding of why you're doing what you're doing, because you've helped advisors. And I thought, you know, with all that you have to share with us when you come to conferences and when you speak to us, those concepts are what we hear. But I thought it'd be great to tell those to the doctors. Can you help physicians make sense of the current markets? I guess if you start to think about what's going on today, how can they start to make sense of that? You know, it's almost like an analogy I use is when you're seasick, you don't look at the water. You pick a point in the horizon and focus on the horizon. To try to make sense day to day, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So don't do it. Warren Buffett had a great comment. He said, successful investors are never with the crowd, never against the crowd. They're focused on their goals. Mm. So I urge anyone, even if you're an avid reader and love the market and love current events, try not to get caught up in the day to day. It's not important to your long range plans. It's very important to people at market time. People are trading for the day or the two days. That's volatility is extremely important to them. But for you, if you're a long-term investor and the younger you are, the better off you are. If you can invest at a young age, the less significant the day-to-day becomes. So I think it's impossible. You know, Jeremy Grantham, Kevin, had a great analogy. He said, imagine standing in a, when you're in a hurricane and you're holding a bag of feathers. You throw the feathers up in the air out of this bag and right in the middle of a hurricane. You don't know where they're going to go. You don't know how long they're going to stay up. You don't know how far they're going to travel. But the one thing you know for sure is sooner or later, they're going to come back to earth. And that's almost like investing. Sooner or later, you're going to be successful if you do it long enough. You don't know when. You don't know what's going to happen in the meantime. Don't try. You can't make sense of it. But you will end up at age 65 or whatever the retirement age is, well off if, you're, if you stay the long term. So, Absolutely. That's my so wisdom for the day. <laughs> So what would you say to physicians that might be just a little bit too busy working in their practice and and trying to see the importance of building wealth outside of the practice so that they can maybe have uh, sustainable income for generations to come even? Well, this is even be practical about it in the first place. I'm going I'm to make these right. numbers up. But let's say a physician is 40 years old mm-hmm. and he or she is going to retire at age 65 and they earn $500,000 a year. Make it easy. I know some are in this cat has earned yeah. much more, some are in less. Let's say $500,000. So we're going to earn $500,000 a year for the next 25 years. That's $12.5 million. We're a money machine, or the doctor is a money machine, cranking out $12.5 million. The question becomes, Kevin, what are you going to do if the machine breaks? Right. I've got a friend who's a colorectal surgeon. He's a terrific surgeon. Longer, he just hurt his hands. He can't operate anymore. He's still working, mm-hmm. but he can't do surgery. He messed around with heavy equipment and he was a home do-it-yourselfer. 
He paid the price. So his machine broke. Wow. And his income is not nearly what it was. So right. that's one reason to look outside the practice. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and the other is that when you're 65, and I, I say to people, look, suppose you lost your job. You're a doctor today. You got a great practice. Mm-hmm. You get fired from the practice. You quit the Something goes wrong. And you know, you got to go find a new job. It's going to take you 25 years to get a job. Is that going to affect your lifestyle? That's yeah. Good well, that's point. retirement. That's retirement. It's 25. You're not entirely retired. You're unemployed for 25 years. It takes a lot of money to, to do that. A lot. So it right. can't be just, you can't depend on earning money, making money, spending money. You've got to start setting it aside. As painful as it might be, and as impractical as it might seem, because at age 65, no one cares. If you don't, you know, the biggest single pot of any doctor who ever mm-hmm. lived is personal savings. It's obviously not Social Security. Right. It's not retirement plan, 401k or whatever. It's personal savings. And the bigger the savings, the better the life in retirement. So you have to start sometime. It's never going to be fun. It's more fun to spend money than save money. <laughs> but you yeah. Especially with the cost of living the way it is. I remember one of the first ads I ever wrote in a newspaper back when I first started was, so you have 20 or 30 years away from retirement. Phew, I caught you just in time. It's one of those things, time in the market. Not my generation so much. The generation before me, most of those people, not all of those people paid more for their last car than their first house. Mm. Inflation is, is to use a medical analogy, high blood pressure. It's going to get you sooner or later. And it can't be. We're now seeing the highest inflation in 40 years. So you can't ignore it. And God knows what it's going to be 20, 10, 15, 25 years from now. So, you know, right now, one year of college is the cost of a good car. And I tell people, look, my my child's only three. Well, in 180 months, a three-year-old is going to be in college. Did you know that? Mm. That's pretty incredible. That is. I don't want to say a doctor on this call is 45 years old, gets paid once a month. You've only got 240 paychecks left in your life. It's game over. Are you going to save enough to retire out of your next 240 paychecks? The answer is probably not. If you're 50 years old, you want to retire at 65, you've got 180 paychecks left in your life. Mm. That's pretty scary. Now, we can't save money when we're young because we're raising kids. We're, you know, we don't buy sneakers. We buy Nikes. We don't buy jeans. We buy Levi. We buy expensive. It costs a lot of money to raise a family. Yeah. But at some point, you got to pay yourself first. So I think one of the things to do is treat yourself like a bill. I'm sure these every doctor on this call is fastidious, pays her bills, his bills. Pay yourself first. Just mm-hmm. make it a habit. Set it aside. It's like a car payment. And just put it aside every month. Because, again, at 65, or it's 50, whatever you want to retire, you're on your own. Right. So what would you say to to doctors that might say, well, maybe I'll just do it myself. Talk about the value of using an advisor along the journey. I'll tell you the flipping thing I say. And I'll tell you the serious yeah. thing I say. <laughs> I, I, people say to me all the time, I'm going to manage my money. I'm going to retire at age 65 manage my money. I say, really, what's your passion? Other than retire, running your own money, <clears throat> what do you live to do? And it might be, oh, I love to play golf. My spouse and I love to travel. Mm-hmm. I say, well, if you run your own money, You'll never get good at golf, believe me. <laughs> it's point. not a part-time job. That's you, it. Know, like, like, you and your husband and wife like to travel? Forget it. It's game over. You can't take a vacation when you run your own money. So an advisor, and I'm assuming, I'm guessing this is about you, Kevin. You don't manage money as much as you as outside money manage, professional managers to manage the money. 
I'm guessing. I don't know. Maybe you do manage them. Most advisors yeah. use mm-hmm. outside advisors. And the the financial advisor's job really is to help the client set goals and hold the client accountable till those goals are met. So we always become coaches in a way. You know, mm-hmm. people that buy treadmills don't necessarily lose weight. People that have a, a trainer lose weight because they have accountability. Neckties get hung from treadmills and blouses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So the advisor no, is an accountability good. coach, in my opinion. So what are some top points that you would uh, discuss maybe or, or share with us about uh, doctors to make it more of a priority to do this, a sense of urgency or something like that to uh, plan outside the practice? Well, time is scary. It goes so fast. I'll tell you, at my age, I can tell you the greatest surprise in life is realizing you're old. <clears throat> you wake up one day and say, man, I was always the youngest person in the room. Now I'm the oldest person in the room. And you're old. And it comes so quickly. It's like a freight wow. train. And, that, yeah. Yeah, and the more we get caught up and busy in our day-to-day affairs, the more lax we become about taking care of our external affairs. And the main goal we all have is to retire successfully. <clears throat> successful to me lives the way you want to live. And man, it's going to come. Believe me, trust me. I was always the youngest guy in the room. It's going to come so fast. It's going to hit you like a train. I start to see that even now. I'm 58 when I'm going through and looking around the room and going, oh, my gosh, same thing. I'm having those paradigm moments right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's huge. You can't start saving for yourself at age 58. I mean, you can. You know, here's an analogy I would use. Pick a town 60 miles away. I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Mm -hmm. So a town 60 miles away is Fort Myers. So I'll say to people, look, it's now 2 o'clock and at two o'clock, and you got to be in Fort Myers at three o'clock. And Fort Myers is 60 miles away. How fast do you have to drive? Well, it's easy, 60 miles an hour. Well, that's that's pretty dangerous. It can be done, but it's dangerous. Delay your departure by 20 minutes. Now, how fast do you have to drive? No one can do that math. <laughs> the answer is if you delay your start by 20 minutes, you got to drive 90 miles an hour to get there at three o'clock. 60 miles an hour is dangerous, 90 suicidal. It's the exact same with investing. The longer you wait, the shorter time frame you have, the more risk you have to assume. Hmm. At some point, the risk becomes untenable, and you're going to divorce yourself from the risk. No one wants any part of that because right. you can't take your life savings and you know roll them right or black. You don't want to do Love that. Love that analogy, especially if you give yourself the appropriate time. You can actually go the speed limit. <laughs> you well, can yeah, actually, but that's hard because the younger we are, the more burden we have. Finally, that's at it. age 50, kids are educated, mortgages paid down and paid off. Now we can focus on retirement. Mm-hmm. But again, it's more fun to spend money than to save it, Kevin. It is. <laughs> Spending money is Saving money is not fun. What would you say to doctors that might field calls from advisors all over the place of, regarding finding the right one? Well, again, to use an analogy, yeah. getting an advisor is not much different than getting a babysitter. Who are you going to trust with your kids? What do you want to know about them? Mm-hmm. It'll leave your children alone for four hours with somebody. Is it word of mouth? Do they, you better be careful. So to me, the three criterion for picking an advisor, very, very simple. Number one is to like the advisor. We all do business with people we like. Mm-hmm. Number two is to trust the advisor. And number three is to make sure the advisor is smart, make sure the solutions meet the goals. Other than that, I don't think like the service matters as much. Man or woman, yeah. black or white, short or tall. We all do business with people we like. So if I like you, trust you, think you're smart, we're good. 
Mm. Those are my three main criteria. Absolutely. And that's very powerful. And we see that played out day after day after day. What would you say to physicians who are concerned about emotions where it comes to investing and emotional investing or behavior in investing that might make them do the wrong thing at the wrong time versus the right thing at the right time? Rephrase that for me, Kevin, would you please? When you think about emotional investing, like people can make decisions on emotions more so than logic. And so if that's the case, how do you keep clients doing the right thing at the right time instead of the wrong thing at the wrong time when, when it dealing with the short answer is they're going to trust you. Yeah. They have to trust you. But here's, the, here's a little bit longer answer. And I'll yeah. role play with you, Kevin. I'll ask you three yeah. questions. I'm, I'm the advisor and you're the client. You're you got it. Question number one is true. Now, the New York Stock Exchange, we have, an, we have a long-term track record of investing in this country. The New York Stock Exchange opened its doors, believe it or not, in 1797. That's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Standard and Poor S&P came out in 1923, became the S&P 500 in 1957. Um, Dow Jones, Charlie uh, Charlie Dow and Edward Jones, 1895. NASDAQ, the new kid on the block, 1971. So we have a long, over 200 years of investing history in this country. The three Mm -hmm. questions I would ask, number one, I'd ask you, true or false, every single time since 1797, Kevin, the market's gone down, it's come back. Is that true or false? Oh, that is true. It's unequivocally true. Question number two. Every time the market's gone down and come back, it's going on to set a new high. Is that true or false? That is true as well. Every single time. If we know the market's going to go down, we know it's going to come back, we know it's going to set a new high, how do so many people lose money in the stock market? How does that happen? Right. Fear is a bigger emotion than greed. Yeah. Greed is nice. You know, long-term greed. Don't be short-term greedy. Be long-term greedy. Right. But fear outweighs that. So the answer is people get afraid. It's counterintuitive. They buy at the top and sell at the bottom. It's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. By the time we, you and I, by the time a pedestrian realizes, hey, this market's doing great, it's too late. Smart money's gone. Mm-hmm. No cliches. You buy the good news, you sell the bad news. I'm yep. sorry, sell the good news, buy the bad news. <laughs> You're right. the, I said it sell the good news, buy the bad news. That's counterintuitive. Right. You hear bad news, Israel, Palestine. It's bad news. So that's sort of the way I get people focused. Really, we're all victims of fear, and fear is, is terrible. So that's where an advisor comes in, because the advisor hopefully is taking the emotion out of the equation. But it's your own money. Right. I kid my brother. My brother's a lifetime policeman, and he wanted to manage his own money. And I remember saying to him, he goes, Kenny, your VCR has been flashing 12 for 20 years. <laughs> you don't manage your own money to get such a VCR. That was years ago. There you ago. go. But yeah. it's not as easy as well. Managing money is difficult. Yeah. And you're not going to get good at golf and you're not going to travel and you're going to be chained to your desk. And that's no way to live. You can play golf in a tournament by yourself or you can hire Roy McIlroy for one penny on the dollar to play for you. You're better right. about Roy McIlroy playing for you than doing it yourself. See, that's what, what I've always liked say. about what you do is the stories that you tell, the connectivities that you tell. I remember, if I remember right, you told a story about a plane. There's many ways to get your destination. You could, if you're going to go from Maine to California, you could walk and that's the longest time it would take you to get there. You could drive in a car, get there a little faster. You could fly, get there even faster. An advisor's job is to try to, when turbulence comes on that airplane, to say, hey, remain seated, put your seatbelts on. We're going to still get you you there. Tell me how far you're going. I'll tell you the best way to get there. That's my job. There there you go. That's it. I live here. How far are you going? If you're going from Maine to California, I'd suggest you fly. If you're going to the town (laughs) of Fort Myers, I'd suggest you drive. Yeah. Going next door, walk. But you tell me, I'll tell you. 
Oh, that's excellent. So any kind of final thoughts to physicians uh, that you would like to have them know about investing from your perspective? Well, for a couple of thoughts. One is I've never yeah. met a successful pessimist. I've been doing this 56 years. <laughs> right. But secondly, it's not an advisor's job to make you rich. It's an advisor's mm-hmm. job to keep you from being poor. Get rich being a doctor in the highest paid profession in the world. You're top mm-hmm. 1%. That's how you get rich. Then you hire an advisor. Say to the advisor, you make sure you're never poor. I've got a friend that played Major League Baseball. Had a real good career. Not a superstar, but he had a good career. He has one standing instruction with his financial advisor. Give me $12,000 a month so I can play golf and drink beer and hang out. (laughs) I don't want to hear anything else. Just give me a check every single month. He totally trusts his advisor. And he gets a check every month for $12,000. He's quite content with that. Now, someone on our call might want $100,000 a month, whatever. But trust someone who's a professional to do it for you. When mm-hmm. I, I just had, I had a catheter ablation in April. I did not want to hear, I've never done this before. Or mm-hmm. I've, I've done this a couple of times. I want to hear, I've done this all day, every day for 20 years, which is what I heard. Because mm-hmm. I'm never going to know as much as the doctor knows in a million years. So at some point, I have to decide to believe what the doctor's saying is true. It's up to me to believe. But the burdens on the doctor is on me. Do I trust the doctor? Yeah. So I didn't make a medical decision to get a cat who I'm going to choose. I made an emotional decision. It's yeah. the same with picking an advisor. Who do you, how do you, who's going to do your, who's going to put a stent in your renal artery? What do you want doing that? Who do you trust? Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's not as important. Health is much more important than money. But I think next to the family doctor, a financial advisor is the most important person that family's ever going to meet. You expect to be hired for your professionalism sure. and your experience. I've got a friend who does, he's got a very successful eye clinic. He does, I had cataract surgery, he did my cataract surgery. It takes total time, probably eight or nine minutes between the two, you know, you do an eye, take time, probably eight or nine minutes of laser surgery. But I'm not paying him for eight minutes. This guy, my buddy went to school 14 years after high school to get to those eight minutes. Mm-hmm. He missed soccer games. He missed dates with his wife. He paid a price. So I paid him the money and I got the expensive lens and I'm 2020. And so I paid him for all the sacrifice and dedication he put in over all the years, not for eight. He's not a wedding singer. I didn't hire him for the afternoon. Right. <laughs> don't hire a doctor and hire a wedding singer for the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It's the same with an advisor. So don't do it yourself. It might be fun. Take, take a hundred thousand dollars and do it yourself. Blow your brains. Have fun, but let the serious money mm-hmm. put it in the hands of serious people. That's a great analogy. And one of the things I think that we also bring to the table is just the experience of seeing their life laid out before them 100 times over through the course of what we've been doing all these years. We've seen all the phases. Kevin, if I were to ask you, and I'll ask you a question. Yeah. Kevin, when's the last time in your life you did something for the first time and got it right? (laughs) I say, Mr. Doctor, Mrs. Miss Doctor. Yeah. You're about to retire for the first time and you got to get it right. There's no mulligan. Mm -hmm. You blow your retirement, you've hawked your future. So you can learn to dance. You can learn to fly an airplane. You can learn to play golf. You cannot learn to retire. You get one shot. Right. And you want someone who's done it too. How many times have you, Kevin, in 38 years, I think you said, how many people have you retired over the years? How many clients have you retired? You've done this 300 times, 200 times? Yes. Mm -hmm. You've done it 200 times so the doctor can do it once. That's a pretty good deal. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. So tell it's us maybe what's that's a preachy me. Hey, that's you know that that's what we hear from you, and it's kind of nice to have that go to the physicians too, so that they can hear that. Tell them what you're doing next. I'm still working. I've worked at one of the largest money management firms in the world. 
Yeah. I had a marketing, a senior VP of marketing for years. I went off on my own. Now I speak. I'm speaking in Chicago next week, actually. Um, but I've been around the world, so Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, England, Ireland speaking. And so I'm speaking and, and coaching some advisors and just having fun. It's yeah. A lot of fun for me. I'm a lousy yeah. golfer. But the other thing, too, and I got to say this. I never really said this to anybody before. I'm still working at age 77, soon to be 78 in November. I spend every day with people younger than me. Mm. I can't tell you how therapeutic that is. Yeah. I retired and went to a golf course. I'd be middle-aged. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend, my buddy's son used to come out and have breakfast with us and play golf with a bunch of guys. He said to his dad, his son was in his 20s. And he said, dad, I can't do this anymore with these guys. I'm becoming a hypochondriac. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, right? talk about what medications are on and their heart and their kidneys and the liver and gallbladder. And said, I'm beginning, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Well, I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in a younger mm-hmm. world. And that's a great point, too, uh, because you don't want to learn what each medication does out on the golf course and get your no. education that way. No. <laughs> We've been listening to Don Conley, everyone. I do appreciate your thoughts and you weighing in on some of these very important topics. I would say to the doctors, Play this over and over again. Listen to what Don just said. These concepts, although they might seem conversational and flowing freely from his mouth, they have impact that could change your financial course. If you pay attention to them, it'll set you on a whole new trajectory for sure. So, Don, thank you so much for joining us today. I try to keep the podcast around 30 minutes or so just so that if they have to get back to doing something, I'd love to keep you here all day. But I know your time is valuable, too. You'll get popular demand to bring me back. (laughs) Hey, look at that. There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Don Conley is not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Physician Wealth Meds. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. That's our podcast for today. And remember, if you're not working on your personal wealth, who is? Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and make sure you subscribe, like, and share. Any questions about what you heard today, please send an email to kdsullivan at lpl.com. Physician Wealth Meds, wealth medicine for doctors.